welcome to the Essential Self-Care Podcast, where we talk about all things self-care for those of us who are, let's face it, too busy for self-care. It's time to bring that same compassion that you offered everyone else in your life to yourself as well. In this podcast, you'll hear real life stories of how self-care transformed people's lives as they were going through life's storms. You'll learn practical, actionable tools to begin the self-care journey yourself as well. Because like I always say, small changes make a large impact. I'm your host, Dr. Sheetha Lajmani. I'm a physician, best-selling author, and the founder of Radiant Living Institute, where I guide people to get unstuck and learn to live radiantly again. Through my signature program, Reclaim Your Radiance, you'll reclaim your worth, renew your energy, and restore your happiness in your life, career, and relationships. To get started, download your free guidebook, Six Simple Yet Powerful Steps to Create Your Radiant Life at RadiantLivingInstitute.com. Quick disclaimer before we get started, the information in this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not medical advice. Always seek the advice of your own medical practitioner and or mental health provider about your specific situation. Now, let's get started. Today, I have the pleasure of welcoming Dr. Gail Miller to the Essential Self-Care Podcast. Dr. Miller is a physician and the founder of Path Onward, where she helps women who are childless, not by choice, to rediscover themselves and live whole. Through her life coaching programs, she helps women work through the grief and explore their path onward to love their life now. Today, Dr. Miller is going to share a bit about her own self-care journey. Welcome to the Essential Self-Care Podcast, Dr. Miller. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you on here today, and I'm excited for our conversation. So let's just dive right in. I'd love to know what was the time in your life when self-care became no longer an option, but an absolute priority for you? And what self-care modalities did you turn to at that time? So it's kind of funny when I think back about it, it wasn't like, it seemed like it was a gradual, like all these little things kind of piling on each other. And then it was like an aha moment for me where it's like, if you don't take care of yourself, <laughs> partly it was, I was focusing only on my grief and what I didn't have. And I wasn't giving myself the self-love that I needed. And it just like, all hit me all at the same time because I was also having the symptom, physical symptoms, and I was gaining weight and I couldn't lose weight. You know, I was doing the all the things we we're told to do calorie restriction, and all I was doing was gaining weight. That and it was like all of these things, and then I was like, that that's uh, this has to stop. And so it was partly work, not so much burnout as much as like moral injury. And, not, you know, like I said, I was having these symptoms going to doctors and like minor symptoms, but they were piling on top of each other and, and also feeling miserable with my life. Like all I could focus on was what I didn't have, the child I wanted to have and, and, and couldn't. And it, it just hit me that I need to take care of myself and make the time that I need, regardless of all of the outside influences being like, take care of me, take care of me, right? We're all women. That's what we do. Like we take care of everyone else. And that's when I was like, no, I have to take care of me or this is going to be a miserable rest of my life. Right. Right. I mean, as you know, kind of generally as, as women, as physicians, as healers, right. We are nurturers. We tend to be multitaskers. It's just kind of innate in our physiology. And so to kind of redirect that focus to, Hey, I need to take care of myself right now as well. And, and I've certainly noticed, and I often find that it is, you know, it's usually not just 
one thing that's going on, right? Like you described, there were just so many things, so many different things kind of going on at the same time or one after the other. And it all just kind of added up until you had that sort of aha moment, like, hey, something needs to change. And I feel like that's often how it happens. Often there's multiple pieces going on at once, um, all kind of coming together in this sort of perfect storm, I guess you could say, to motivate or trigger us to redirect that focus to prioritizing our own self-care. So when you had that moment, then what was some of your maybe first steps? Because a lot of times you can just kind of be in that and it can be hard to know even where to start. Like you have that aha moment. You're like, okay, I do need to start to turn some of this time, attention, focus, energy to caring for myself. And sometimes it can be hard to know then from that step, like, where do I go from here. So what did that look like for you? So what it looked like for me was what I tell other people not to do, which was I Googled. (laughs) I, nothing was helping any of the symptoms. Nobody could find anything. And therapy wasn't as helpful when it came to dealing with the childlessness. So I Googled one, I started Googling like what, you know, what's going on with all these symptoms? Is there someone else that may have other ideas thinking outside the box? And so that led me down the road of nutrition and getting a, being in a program for nutrition um, and figuring out what I needed for that. But then also it led me down the road of finding out about life coaching, never heard of that before. And so those were my first step, honestly, was to Google and see what else is out there outside of the traditional. And then I learned, you know, I started journaling and I started really putting, making an effort at making sure I had the time or gate, not that I had it, that I made sure I took the time to do what I needed in terms of uh, holistically nutrition, meditation, time to journal, time to get exercise. So it was a combination of things, but how I figured it out and put it into place was starting by, okay, what is, I got to think outside the box. Yeah. Um, I love that. And I know you mentioned like, you know, often it's what you don't recommend people to do to just Google, but realistically, I think that's where many of us turn to first, right? Cause it's something yeah. you can do at home or on your phone. You can just start to kind of search, but what else I heard in there was just this openness to like, what else is out there? What else could help me? What other ways and modalities can I explore? And so I think that's really wonderful. And then I also heard that this openness led you to you know, something that I I did not mention in your intro for our listeners, you know, Dr. Miller is also a certified nutritionist, a certified life coach and a certified health coach. Right. And so it sounds like to me from hearing you share your story, you know, those programs, those certifications, the knowledge, the experience that you gained through that would most likely not have happened had you not been going through this challenging situation. So sometimes having this sort of openness when you are going through this challenging situation or life's challenges can lead you to walk through doors that you never would have expected. Exactly. Exactly. And I think you are a hundred percent right. I, if I had been feeling great and, you know, was living the life that I had expected that I planned to live as, you know, physician, a woman, physician, and mom, and all of that together, 
I don't think I would have sought this out. Now, of course, moms have their own issues. So maybe I would have come to that. But it, it really was like what I was dealing with was like, okay, none of the stuff that I've learned to do is working here. And so I got to find something else. And yeah, it was my situation that kind of pushed me into it or, or was the influence for me to look for other avenues of, of health. Yeah. One thing that I always say is that life's challenges are the greatest catalyst for self-empowerment because it, like you were saying, generally when things are going well, we just continue as we are, right? But it's yeah. those challenges that actually make us dive deeper, make us dig a little bit deeper into understanding more about ourselves, exploring different ways of being, um, as you shared, you know, with you kind of exploring these sort of more holistic ways of healing and well-being. Yeah. And it's not, you know, I'm a physician. I believe in the science. I absolutely believe in science. I think there's a role for all, you know, what we consider traditional medicine and what's considered, you know, alternative medicine. I think they work well together. I've really come to believe that, you know, we, we look in medicine at the systems and like, yeah, there's the systems but they all work together. And that includes the emotional, the spiritual, it all affects each other. And that was key for me to realize that self-care, you know, the saying is the common saying self-care isn't selfish. It's truly not. It's a necessity. And so that really was an eye opener that we have to have self-compassion and self-care for our health. And when you don't realize the effect it has on you physically, not doing the self-care, it just does so much damage. And it's so life-changing when you recognize, wow, when I take care of myself, it makes a huge difference in me as a whole. That's amazing. I agree completely. You know, it is, it's all related, right? <laughs> I agree completely. The mental, the emotional, the physical, the spiritual, it's all connected. It's all related. Each one, each one of those systems influences the other, right? Uh -huh. um, and there is definitely a place for, for all of it, you know, and as you mentioned, kind of Western allopathic medicine, as it is set up and practiced now is, is very systems, systems-based. And also, and this is not a reflection of medicine, it's, it's more of a reflection of the healthcare system as a whole. And I can only speak to that sort of here in the U.S., where how our healthcare system is right now, there is limited time that physicians have with patients. And so honestly, just logistically even, right? It's very yeah. challenging to cover all of those aspects now for our modern day physician to, to address in an office visit. So it tends to be more so on the physical, you know, unless you're seeing a psychiatrist or a mental health specialist, right? So on the physical level, as well as on the specific system for which the specialist you are seeing, correct? And right. so, and so that's why I think it's really neat. I think there's a lot of physicians as yourself and myself who are doing this kind of work, things like this podcast and the type of work you're doing at Path Onward, the type of work I'm doing at Radiant Living Institute to start to address some of those other areas, because we know how much that is needed as well. And so 
what are some of the, you know, so you mentioned some, some modalities. First of all, there was this openness to kind of seeing what else was out there, starting to look at different sort of holistic modalities, looking at nutrition. You mentioned meditation, journaling. You mentioned that through this exploration, through these practices, life feels so much better. Can you share a little bit more about just some of the results that you've seen since you have started to prioritize your self-care? Oh, absolutely. Yes. For, so for one thing, my energy is my husband at times is like, who are you? <laughs> I mean, I would even at the start of the day, even if, you know, you get good night's sleep and I'd be wake up and I'm like, I have no energy. And, you know, you get home at the end of the day, or even if you're home all day, like no energy sit on the couch. And I'd be like, I, I can't, I can't move. And this has made a huge difference in my energy level. Like, again, he's like, who, who are you? Like you, you, you know, I can't believe the energy level that you have. And my, my symptoms of like, I was constantly congested. I would wake up with my eyes swollen and I, and I was not able to lose weight. And so all of that changed, you know, the, the congestion went away, the eye swelling, the, like I said, I had the fatigue and the lack of energy, but also emotionally, I am able to, like, I am, I think as women, we're phenomenal at being, putting ourselves down when we don't either get the result we wanted, or, you know, we make a mistake. We're human. You make mistakes. You don't always get the results you wanted. And so it's, I've learned now, I still like the immediate, oh, Gail, like how stupid of you. And now like, I'm much better at avoiding that. But when I do say things like that to myself, because those messages have a profound impact on how we feel about ourselves. And then that impacts our physically, emotionally, spiritually. And so I'm much better at not saying those things. And when I do say them, I stop. I'm like, no, you're not stupid. You made a mistake because you're human. And so it's all of that. It's And it's recognizing that the thoughts that I have Primarily, like we've all had, all had trauma and that affects us in different ways. But oftentimes our thoughts are really what's driving how we're feeling and then what we do. Um, so it's not that there are wrong thoughts. It's just I've learned to recognize the impact that my thoughts have and how I'm feeling and then how I'm behaving. And so sometimes, you know, I'm able to then recognize, okay, that that thought doesn't serve you well. There's no need for that thought. And sometimes like, I can't change that thought. And, you know, I'm never going to change the thought that I wish I had children. You know, how I feel about being childless is different than how someone who has chosen to be childless feels. Neither one is right or wrong. I'm never going to turn my thought to, oh, I'm so glad I didn't have children. But now I'm like, okay, I feel crappy about it because my thought is I wish I had children. Um, and so it's things like that where I'm like, I recognize how much all of these things affect me as a whole. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, I love yeah. so much about what you shared, you know, first of all, kind of going back to when you started practicing self-care, just the energy that you found in your life. And I mean, that is, oh my goodness, that's everything, right? Because if you 
you know, having energy is what allows you to show up as your best self in the world, right? It's what allows you to do the work that you need to do or to spend quality time with your friends and family, right? Uh, It gives you, you know, having energy is, you know, helps you stay active, helps you stay fit, right? Like all of these things. So just having that energy, that's so beautiful and so wonderful. And then also that there were all these sort of vague symptoms. And and sometimes that can happen is sometimes that there can be a lot of vague symptoms that maybe a, um, you know, clear cut Western allopathic diagnosis might not be able to explain, but they affect our quality of life. And so sometimes, you know, taking a look at and examining what's going on in my mind, what's going on in my emotions, what's going on with like maybe my daily habits and routines. That's another aspect that I work with, right? Um, You know, what is going on in these other levels that I can try, maybe test out to switch up a little bit, right? And to see how that might make make a bit of a difference. And then I think most importantly, what you're talking about with your thoughts, you know, our thoughts are so powerful. How we talk to ourselves is so powerful. And I hear this element of just really bringing this self-compassion into your life. And this is so important. You know, in general, many of us, I think, certainly myself included, tend to be really hard on ourselves. And it does require some practice actually more than some, I think a lot from my experience, a lot of practice to notice those thoughts, notice when those thoughts, again, just like you said, I love the way you described it. You know, there's no right or wrong, right? There's no right or wrong. It's just having this awareness that when I go down this thought pattern, it just doesn't serve me very well right? It just doesn't serve me very well. It's not energy giving. In fact, it drains my energy. So what can I do to maybe shift when I start my noticing my thoughts to go down that thought pattern, right? What can I do to maybe find some acceptance and from there maybe shift that thought pattern? So it's not necessarily negating it or judging it as right or wrong. It's just having the awareness of this is how I feel when I go down that thought pattern. Why don't I choose a little bit differently right now? What would that look like? And I also love, you know, we were chatting a bit before recording this podcast and you had mentioned something about allowing yourself to feel everything that you need to feel. And this is something that I talk about a lot as well. So I thought it would be nice to just kind of give ourselves a moment to, to talk about that. You know, one of the things you had said was like not to push away emotions that are labeled as negative. I think we tend to judge ourselves when we have these quote unquote negative emotions come up, but to allow them. Can you speak on that a little bit? Sure. Yeah. So we are constantly, you know, inundated with messages to be positive, right? If you're on any social media platform, there are ads all over the place for, you know, positivity, this and be, and, but life isn't like, life isn't all positive. No one gets through life without having bad stuff happen. And the emotions that arise from any situation are all normal. You know, the positive ones and the ones that are negative, but because we're inundated with these messages to be positive, we think when we're feeling badly that there's something wrong with us, that we're always supposed to be positive. For one thing, if you wouldn't appreciate the positive, if you never have the negative, right? Because it would be like, you take it for granted. And, but life is, as I learned in my life coaching program, life is 50, 50, you have bad and good. But when you push away, when you think like, I'm only supposed to be positive, 
and you push away the negative feelings, we know they don't go away. And we know that when you force that positivity, what's often called toxic positivity, it can lead to anxiety and depression and negative consequences. And if you don't acknowledge those consider the feelings that are considered negative, they don't go away. They come out and they typically come out in ways that aren't in alignment with how we want to live our lives. And for each person, that's different. For some, it may be gambling. For some, it may be me <laughs> shopping too much or me again, eating comfort foods, you know, because we have to soothe that pain but it doesn't, it's a temporary soothing. So when you acknowledge feeling whatever it is that's the negative, I'm feeling sad, I'm feeling angry, I'm feeling frustrated. When you let yourself feel it and just sit with it, it will kind of diffuse over time and go away. Whereas if you push it away, pretend it's not there, it's still there. It just sits and festers. And then you're typically going to do things that you're like, I don't want to do this. This isn't, I'm not going to get the result from this that I want, but we do it anyways, because it comforts us. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, it can show up in like some of the ways that you mentioned, right? Maybe in some habits or activities that we decide to engage in, or it can show up as, you know, how we react to a family member, a significant other, or a coworker, right? To maybe being a bit irritable or making kind of an offhand comment that we wish we didn't say, you know, and then we can yeah. often go down the path of judging ourselves further there as well. But it can, we also know that it can get stuck in our body. So those emotions, you know, we know, you know, there's a whole body of research on trauma that, that looks at this and that shows this, that these emotions can also get stuck in your body and then they can show up as something that you mentioned earlier of like vague physical symptoms, right? And so allowing yourself to feel what you need to feel without judgment, right? So this is where an element of some of that sort of mindfulness can come in. The word mindfulness really means non-judgmental awareness of the present moment. So noticing what's going on, acknowledging it and letting go of judgment. Again, I'm not saying this is easy. And I am saying this is a practice, right? It does take consistent practice. And, you know, I've, I've noticed this myself as well, that sometimes when very difficult emotions come up, right? Emotions that don't feel comfortable, emotions that feel hard. I have had experiences where I've sat in meditation during those times and it can feel really uncomfortable as those come up, but sitting with it, not getting, not letting my mind get caught up in the thoughts, right? the dialogue that goes along with it, that emotion, which is allowing yourself to feel it, it does end up diffusing. It does end up passing. Now, again, this can be a very challenging process. So certainly for our listeners, anyone who's listening, you know, if you're experiencing something like this, where you want to practice some of these tools, you know, I would recommend perhaps seeking a guide such as myself, such as Dr. Miller, or someone else that you you know, know and trust, just someone who can kind of hold that space for you, I think can be really valuable. So I've really enjoyed our conversation, Dr. Miller. This has been wonderful. If anyone does want to learn more about the work that you're doing, where can they learn about you? The easiest way to find me is at pathonward.com. Also, I'm on Facebook is that Instagram. <laughs> I'm on as Childless Path Onward. But the easiest thing to remember is pathonward.com. 
you'll find all the links there and you can reach out my email. You can contact me that way. So wonderful. And I will include all of those links in the show notes. Thank you so much, Dr. Miller, for coming on, sharing a bit more about your self-care journey. And just thank you so much for the work that you do. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you for the work you do and for having this podcast and highlighting these topics and the importance of self-care because truly so many people think it is something that like, oh, if I take care of myself, I'm selfish. So I'm so glad you're doing this work. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you. So just as we were hopping off, Dr. Miller and I realized that we forgot to mention something that we really wanted to talk about. So Dr. Miller, I would love to ask you as we're closing up this episode, what is one piece of advice that you would have or one tip that you'd have for our listeners who may be trying to find a way to get started with their self-care? What's something that you found really helpful? Um, So the first thing is to remember that it, as you've said, it, it takes practice and I call it a work in progress because it's, you have to continually, you know, remind yourself of the importance and, and work on it. And for me, I find my daily habits that I need to do, like the journaling, like meditation, working out, I need them scheduled for, for me, visually that cue is, is helpful. If I don't put it in my calendar, it will probably fall by the wayside. So I highly recommend, however, there's apps that will send you reminders that you then all sorts of different. So there's not one that I necessarily recommend because it's based on your own personality and needs. For me, I have it, I put it in my calendar. It's a daily thing and I get a reminder every morning, but I would definitely schedule it, especially at the start because it takes repeating it for a long time. Schedule it somehow for yourself with an app, with your own calendar and remind, have a reminder every day. So of whichever modalities you are going to use for self-care and then you build that habit and then it becomes natural. Absolutely. You know, I think a lot of us can, as you mentioned earlier in the episode, that you have to really take and create the time for this, right? The time just doesn't magically appear. Like, oh, I want to start practicing self-care. Oh, there's an additional five minutes added to my day specifically for that, right? And honestly, let's be honest with ourselves. Even if that did happen, we would find something else to fill up those five minutes with, right? So it's really creating that time for yourself. And I often also recommend that, you know, when I'm working with clients, that they give themselves some sort of cue to help them, right? Whether that's a visual cue, whether it's a time of day, whether it's a cue in their calendar, right? Some sort of cue to remind you that, hey, this is some time that I've set aside for my self-care. So thank you for sharing that valuable tip with us. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe, leave a positive review, and share this episode with someone you know. And remember, your free guide, Six Simple Yet Powerful Steps to Create Your Radiant Life, is waiting for you at radiantlivinginstitute.com. Download it today.